Con Radio, presented by Wizard World. Radio for geeks. Rangers, this is Zorda. It's time for another episode of the Canned Air Podcast. All right, it's morphin' time. Welcome to another episode of Candair, a tribute to comics and pop culture right here on Wizard World's Con Radio. I am Jeremy Colley. I'm Jack Doherty. And I'm Jake Runyon. And joining us today, first, the creator of Lackluster World, Rum Springer, and the owner of Narrier Publishing, correct? Yes. We have Eric Adams. Thanks for being with us, Eric. Hey, everybody. Thanks for having me. <laughs> and then we have the writer of Blackheart, Binary Gray, and Sleepless, Chris Charlton. Is it Charlton? Yep, you got it. Welcome Thanks to the show, us. Chris. We're on a roll. We got a good show for you today, folks. Uh, we're going to be talking first-person shooters, uh, more so the old school ones, in uh, oh, this week's retro roundtable. Yeah, in lieu of uh, the release of Doom, oh, yeah. which you've been playing oh, quite man. frequently, Religiously. right? Yeah, you have to tell us a little bit more about it. We've tried the demo, but that's about it. Yeah. Uh, then we're going to go around the table talking about comics. What do you guys got? Anything good? East of West. Uh, I've, I've been waiting to hear about this one. i got to keep it low-key so I don't ruin too much. Yeah. I've, I'm actually going to be talking <clears throat> about the uh, Batgirl number one with uh, Carrie Kelly that was in the middle of book four of Dark Knight 3, Master Race. So, interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Keeping with the theme, I have got the Doom comic. There was Ooh. only one. Okay, you'll be going there first. there only needed to be one. <laughs> <laughs> you'll be going first, then. Then we're going to turn our full attention over to Eric and Chris and talk about some of the projects they got going on. And we're going to be primarily talking about the Kickstarter running until July 1st for Black of Heart. But before we do all that, let's just jump right into this week's Retro Roundtable. Now... Doom just came out. We've already addressed that. Right. Uh, this is like my game. This was my first game love. Like the first game I ever sat down and back in the day, I was not allowed to play it. I was too young, which I think is part of the reason I played it as much as I did. Right. And for me, it's been like one of those unattainable things. Like no game will ever be Doom. But there have been a lot that have come close. And when it comes to shooters, I love that old school, super fast, no cover mechanics, no breaching doors, no giving right. commands to your squad mates. Here you are. Here are the weapons. They're the things that need the weapons fired upon. <laughs> and you didn't even have to aim, really. You oh, my God, no. Yeah. Vicinity and Doom did the work for you. Yeah. You can see them on the screen. You mash that space bar until the problem goes away. What about you guys? I had a weird gap in my life where I didn't play a lot of video games, but I definitely played Doom. Yeah. Um, and uh, more recently, I've actually been playing stuff on um, like Xbox. And uh, I, I mean, I'm way late on video games all the time. So I've just personally kind of gotten to like the Borderlands series. Mm, and um, it, 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 it's very similar to what you're describing with Doom, where you're uh, essentially just shooting people's heads off the whole game and you just enjoy killing them. <laughs> There's really that, that kind of strong purpose to it. Like no frills shooting to it. You know, you take cover more or less, but there's no snapping to. It's not like Gears of War where you're so dependent on that kind of thing. You know, you just, here is the enemy. Present them with bullets. 
<laughs> That's mostly what I do in that game, too. I didn't really realize there was a whole storyline to it. I'd be playing with my friends, and you'd be like, oh, yeah, take this quest. I'm like, I want to read mm-hmm. it. No, let's go. Let's go. Yeah. Okay. Are you talking in the original game? or the... In Borderlands. Oh, in Borderlands. Yeah. I'm sorry. I got lost there. Yeah, you get stuck in, and you're just blasting away. It's, it's easy to let things like that slip in a game like that. Yeah. Because like, it can what am I move doing? like as fast as you want it to. Yeah. You right. can blow through that game in half a day, you know. But if you go through all the quests and stuff, you read the because di- the dialogue's awesome. The writing on that game's fantastic. Yeah. That's like the best part. You're missing that. Well, your friend's an asshole. He's not letting you play the game. To the <laughs> <laughs> Blew me away when the whole in- opening intro was uh, the song by a KG Elephant. Yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, I was man. like, oh, Are you serious? What I love a- this song. So cute. <laughs> yeah, that was an awesome intro sequence. Yeah, I mean, the first time I ever played, uh, well, Doom and Wolfenstein, obviously, were the first time I really played any first-person shooter to begin with. I mean, you guys can relate how blown your freaking mind was. Oh, you know, yeah. It's not two-dimensional Mario anymore. I can <laughs> walk around wherever I want to walk. Mind you, the graphics weren't great, and uh, looking back, they're even worse than you can remember. Oh, but yeah. at the time, <laughs> it was state-of-the-art. Oh, it was in stereo also, which... Yeah, I mean, most of the games like well, with Super Nintendo started going. The music was in stereos, but not so much the the game and the sound effects. It's it's funny to me that a game that pixelated was ever creepy. You know yeah. what I mean? Oh, man, yeah. It used to scare the hell out of me because oh, yeah. I was like too close to the action. Mm-hmm. Looking through another character's eyes, you're like, no, I need more more walls. <laughs> <laughs> Get me as far away from the enemy as possible. The sound design in Doom still sticks with me like the original doom all those creepy monster noises oh yeah that that, like have become like b sound effects you know just like stock growls and snarls but back in the day Mm -hmm. that shit got to you i was in my room playing that with the lights off and then just the growls and stuff from off screen (laughs) give me the creeps the will no i'm done i'm going to bed (laughs) that's funny i started playing playing with doom or not doom but uh wolfenstein my stepmom actually i don't know how she came across doom but that's how i ended up getting into it really <laughs> kind of weird wasn't <laughs> doom wasn't doom the game that kind didn't it create the, the term god mode wasn't that doom that, it did yeah, was, yeah. That was, it, was it quake i thought it was doom it might have been doom i think it's doom quake was like the spiritual successor yeah. to Doom, but they were doing everything 3D. But yeah, yeah, and his eyes would glow there at the bottom. It's like, God mode enabled. <laughs> it's like, well, that's a little arrogant, I think. You know, right? <laughs> Call it super cool mode or something like that. But no, sure, well, I didn't make the game. What about you guys? Uh, any favorite first-person shooters? Um, for me personally, um, uh, I don't know if it's considered a shooter, but I really loved uh, Condemned. I don't know if you guys ever played that at all. Boy, that sounds familiar. It does. I never got the chance. It's one of those things that always just kind of slipped by me. But I've heard it was great like a launch things. game for 360, and, um, and it's sort of oh, a horror game that. where you're uh, you're tracking like a, a serial killer, yeah, um, who kills other serial killers, and then he frames you, and so you're kind of like hunted by the FBI and also looking for him and. Um, it's just one of the creepiest games I ever played, and I, I probably played through it uh, four or five times. It's a pretty short, too. It's like five hours, so it's almost like a long interactive movie, you know. Did uh, have, I had a, always had a blast with that. Did it have alternate endings? I don't know that it did. Uh, honestly, I don't remember that. I remember um, getting I know Greg, the end, and it seemed like there was something else I could have done at the ending, but I didn't really want to. Oh, like, yeah. You know what? There are, there are two endings, I think. Um, I think it's one where you like kill the bad guy and one where you don't or something like that and you get two different endings. 
I think I um, did but I, I messed up. <laughs> I know that Greg Grunberg did the voice of the guy, um, and then they didn't bring him back for the for the sequel, which I thought was kind of weird, but whatever. <laughs> And a lot of games give you that like binary option. It's like it's like two completely different games when you play right. good or evil. It's like, well, I just bought half a game then because I don't right. see myself <laughs> playing Good Samaritan for however many hours. <laughs> Can't imagine a scenario where I reach the end of this game, find this serial serial killer killer, right. and then not put him down after all the work that goes into it. It reminds me of the uh, Spider-Man Web of Shadows game. There was you have the black symbiote suit throughout the whole game. But throughout the game, your friends and Mary Jane, they're all telling you, no, don't use it. Don't use it. You know what happens. And, you know, your actions, uh, you know, determine the outcome of the game. And, of course, you go through playing as Black Suit Spider-Man. I oh, mean, man. you badass. You know, there's nothing can stop you. Emo haircut. Right. Right. It is your right, even your responsibility as an American, to abuse every shred of power you get your hands <laughs> yeah, on. Exactly. You're going to have the black suit at your disposal. You're not going to abuse that. Come on. And abuse it, I did. Yeah. And, as well you should. But see, what happens then is at the end, you become like a slave to the symbiote. You just become another mindless drone in this army of symbiote that's taken over Manhattan. I'll take that deal. Yeah. Well... So I went back, and I was like, okay, I'm going to try to do this just as Spider-Man. And to switch into this mode is just by clicking in on one of your joysticks. So so it's that easy. It's that easy, and it's that, you know, when you've already gone through and played the game relying on it, it's hard not Mm, to. It's right there. Yeah. (laughs) Calling you. And I I clicked it maybe twice, I think, and I thought, ah, that won't be enough to give me the bad ending. I had the bad ending. (laughs) I'm not doing it again. You got a margin for error like that. It's like, what what do you want from me? I'll look up the uh, good ending on YouTube. I sneezed that? when I pissed. <laughs> hey, we've got this game with an amazing feature that feels really good and is fun to use. Mm-hmm. Uh, go ahead and don't. <laughs> don't overdo it. The game that uh, either Eric or Chris were just talking about a little bit ago reminded me of uh, The Suffering. You guys oh, ever play that game? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. That, that was creepy. Too. Yeah. And I, I remember the, like, the different inmate, like zombies, not the right word, undead, whatever, revenant weirdness. And they were... They look different depending on how they were killed. Mm-hmm. Like the guys who got shanked had like bladed legs and arms and, and they arms, crawl yeah. around. Oh man, that was some cool stuff. Oh, it was wicked. It wasn't first person shooter. shooter. Yeah, it was, it was, third, it was person. third person, yeah. But uh, like I remember one uh, part in particular, you walk into the electric room, room uh, electric chair room, excuse me. And there's one of the prison guards strapped in it, and they're just, like, waiting for you to enter the room to, you know, pull the juice. And so you're watching him fry, frantically trying to find the switch that'll make him, you know, you save his life. And uh, you never find it. It's it's not there. But what is there is a monitor of a surveillance camera that's in the room. So you you hit X, and you zoom into the the monitor and what you see is yourself like the camera's up in the corner behind you remember that and there's this big freaking Frankenstein looking asshole coming up behind you real slow he's just closing in just like lumbering forward yeah so you sit there pound wide like I gotta get out of here I gotta get out of here you turn around and he's not there oh man that's the greatest it was creepy they made good use of the third person camera with that Mm -hmm. like it was third person with a purpose yeah absolutely there was another good one for 360 that I can't remember what the name of it is, but it had a real, like, uh, uh, American Indian background to it. It was a lot of, like, spiritualness with the, the Indian background. You get, like, powers, eagle powers and that stuff. That sounds but familiar. It was like all of a sudden, aliens came. Pray. So that's, that's what, what it was. was. Yes. Yeah. That game was fun. 
Yeah, it was like very Doom-like. It had that look to it with the mutants and the half cyborg yeah. things, but you also had like your spirit bow yep. or whatever it was. That, yeah, that was that was cool. Yeah. I never got to finish that. I finished that one. It was I don't remember what happened at the end, but it was a good one. And they like axed the sequel. Everyone was like super so, jazzed yeah. about Prey Two. Everybody, and it's, it's gone. <laughs> <laughs> one shooter game that uh, I think had a feature that really stands out that you don't see in many first-person shooters was Red Faction, mm. where you were on Mars oh, and man, you could use your mod. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Rocket oh, launchers and shit yeah. to like blast tunnels through the walls. You can go and through stuff. anywhere. Yeah, yeah. multiplayer Red Faction was some of the most fun I ever had oh, playing. Yeah. The game. Everyone pretty much just like you could stop in the middle and fight it out, but everyone trying to tunnel their way to the other guy's base. You know, yeah. the most circuitous <laughs> path they can blast. You're the one guy that doesn't know about that. You just run into the like, middle. Where is everybody? Yeah, <laughs> with your shotgun or whatever. <laughs> yeah. And all of a sudden, everyone just barrels Balls in the ground around by yeah. you. <laughs> you know, there there are a couple of games that are oh, just awesome for like being that old school FPS like Doom style one of them comes to mind is Painkiller I don't know if you've heard of that uh, it's I like, remember that one it's it's similar in that you're fighting you know the armies of hell and you're a lone human but like you're stuck in purgatory and hell is like occupying that space and unneutraling it you know so it's becoming like an annex of hell and you're trying to free yourself so you're not damned and it's, oh, I did play that, yeah. There's like barely the ghost of a story, but you're just moving around, lightning fast, with all kinds of outlandish weapons, fighting all kinds of grotesque things, and just nailed that like pure adrenaline angle, mm. where it's just like, you guns, enemies. <laughs> it's like, no frills. And every gun did something wildly different, depending on which trigger you pull. Like, their shotgun also fired a freezing grenade. There was one gun that was a machine gun that fired Ninja Star Shuriken, and the alternate fire just shot lightning bolts. <laughs> like, I don't know, was, the rocket launcher was also a minigun, just all kinds of crazy shit. It was cool. And then there was another one to that effect called Serious Sam. Oh, I remember Serious I used Serious to play Sam. the hell out yeah, of Serious Sam. It was like the same thing. Super fast, zany weapons. Just great games. That's like my favorite shooters are the ones that harken back to uh, to the original, you know, the, the, the classics. There was a game back in the... About, I don't know, not too long after Doom and Wolfenstein, I'd say about four or five years after, uh, called Redneck Rampage. You guys ever play that? Oh, man. No. I remember seeing I remember the, the name. box art yeah. at, like, media players. Oh, yeah. But I never got to play it. I don't remember exactly the, like what the power-ups were, but there was beer around the level, and you could get, you'd have to drink the beer to do something. I don't know if it powered you up, but at the same time, it made you drunk, so you had to find somewhere to piss in the corner to bring your drunk level down. That and, sounds like too much responsibility. Yeah. I can't handle that. <laughs> there, there were like uh, Twinkies and pork rinds laying around for health, and you the just had some obscene like homemade weapons. You know, <laughs> They were nuts. A shotgun with a chainsaw on it, like, like a bayonet Perfect. kind of thing i think i don't remember it's been so long but yeah, damn I, it's i every now and then i see it like on there's a website i go to called good old games mm-hmm. it's got good old games send us money and they've got like <laughs> really ace old games from back in the day for like a dollar two three dollars good stuff wow but you know i almost forget the the greatest shooter of all time hands down Checksman versus the flemoids this was a disc you got in a box of Czech cereal. What? I got, I shit you not, an entire game in a box of cereal. The best cereal box prize I have ever seen in my life. And it was a complete Doom clone. 
You were Chex Man, who's just a dude in like blue spandex with a suit of armor made of Chex. <laughs> and you fight these things called the Flemoids, which are like big green slime monsters that would blast green goo at you. And there was a Flemoid analog for every monster in Doom. The Cacodemons had their own floating like Flemoid brain in a jar things, the revenants with their shoulder. Yeah, dude. Same. The stage layout's just retextured. Same like geometry with a different look to it. And I swear to God, it was the greatest thing I've ever played. It's got to be like freeware somewhere. It was so awesome. I burnt so much time playing Chex Man back then. I've got a confession here. Uh-huh. Um, I myself favorite a video game that came with a box of cereal. Uh oh, let's hear it. Yeah, this was a PC game back in like 96, 97, like a CD ROM of Spider Man the Animated Series. Came on the front of a cereal box, you put it in. And uh, it was like a cartoon maker. You could choose from all these oh, different backgrounds, what? characters. You could make them jump, run. Uh, as far as they're talking, you had to put word bubbles like in a comic. But, mm. yeah, I, I remember sitting there making like a whole like David Letterman kind of show using <laughs> Spider-Man. <laughs> it was freaking nuts. I wish I still had those things. Man, cereal box prizes are just not the same. <laughs> no, they're not. We need a whole episode done on that shit. Oh, cereal dude. box toys, well, man. I, I already blew my best uh, Jack's Man and the Flemoids. It's, oh. it's gone. Yeah. <laughs> you bring that one back yeah <laughs> everyone forget what i said we don't have anyone out there listening to episode <laughs> right, after like episode, one. After episode. <laughs> actually guys you already covered this in episode 130 you I can mention this day. again yeah <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay we got eric so I, chris yes. both of you i'm sorry i feel like we've uh, kind of pushed you off into the corner there favorite shooters well, well i was actually googling um this checks video game while you guys were talking oh, how cool and it's is called it? checks quest and they oh, made checks quest sorry <laughs> they made three of them yeah. <laughs> See, you're missing out. There's three more out there. I guess I'll just I wait. guess it's probably just Doom 1, 2, and 3, right? It would have to be something like that. But I, I think there was one where you like, in your spaceship, like a friend of mine had it, but I didn't, so I always resented them for it. This is, had like the first disc. And this is the Chex game Chex still? Chex Quest. Chex yes. Qu- Excuse me, I'm sorry. Uh, I, hey, I screwed it up. <laughs> I wonder if there's a Flash version I can throw on the website. Oh, there's got to be something, oh, dude. That'd be awesome. Please make that <laughs> freaking it. happen. Please make that happen. That would be amazing. And I remember back in the day, I'd play it, and I had to, my dad would come, and he would have to, he would, he would control me. the movement. <laughs> <laughs> You're wasting ammo, son. <laughs> <laughs> Told you not to use a rocket launcher in tight spaces. Get the belt. <laughs> and he would have to control the movement, and I would just be the weapons, because they would reach a point where I'd get freaked out. Mind you, I was very young, but first-person mm. shooters scared the hell out of me. Oh, yeah. And, like, between that and Doom, I, like, couldn't handle the stress. I'm like, you navigate. I just want to shoot him. <laughs> I don't remember oh, if it was the times. end of, like, Doom 2 or 3, whatever it was. Like, after you take out the last enemy, you fall into, like, a dark pit, and then you just see, like, yeah. red eyes glowing. That was the end of the first one. Yeah. Was that the end of the first one? Yeah. Yeah, and you can keep yourself alive with cheats, but it's the room that kills you. You're not, like, standing on lava or anything. Like, you're scripted to die slowly yeah. in that pit. Oh, man. Wow. I was so mad when I got to that point. <laughs> yeah. I was just like, you thought you were going to make it your hard work. You were going to be a hero. <laughs> Guess Too what, bad. asshole? <laughs> Try the next chapter. <laughs> Man. Damn computer. <laughs> awesome Man. stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Any other games, guys? Republic uh, Commando. For, oh. Yeah, oh. well, I was going to say uh, Battlefront. Actually, the first one on, on PS2. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Those were good times. Uh, I mean, I just played the hell out of that. I, I mean, <laughs> it was really the first game where you were, like, kind of in the action, you know? And, and, and of course, like... I play mostly single player stuff anyway, and and that was one of those you could just play single player with a bunch of bots and mm-hmm. um, and just like the best have part. a blast, you know. I mean, 
uh, I kind of wish that the the new uh, the new version had that that option because that's just the way I prefer to play. You know, but yeah, right. Rather like than getting my ass handed to me by an eight-year-old, but <laughs> every single time, like after yeah. life yeah, right. after life after life, it's that same guy, yeah. right. the dude who picks you out because he's in the R wing. <laughs> R wing, that's Star Fox. A wing, yeah, A wing. I swear to God, every time we're on that like volcanic map, yeah. it's just like here comes Captain Asshole, Master Space Ace. <laughs> he's got a field of unlimited targets. No, this guy. Like, yeah, screw this guy. <laughs> There's something going on there. I know. Right? There's something going on. He had my IP sure. address. He knows where I live. Yeah. Like I pissed <laughs> off his family or something. Down on the ground. <laughs> yeah, he's got a beacon on you, <laughs> man. Oh shit! All right. Well, I think we're. What are we at? About 20 minutes. I think that'll probably do it for this week's Retro Roundtable. Good talk. I love how these conversations get away from the. <laughs> right. the it's the, the digressions here. Yeah. <laughs> All right, and with that, let's talk about some comic books. Jake, I think it's only appropriate you go first, oh, seeing as how we were just talking to him. I'm, I'm glad to hear it, because I could not be more excited. Dear listeners, I've got a treat for you. This is <laughs> the Doom comic. And the reason I just call it the Doom comic is because it knows no other title. It is technically Doom issue one, Knee Deep in the Dead, named after the first mm-hmm. chapter of the first Doom. But it is just the Doom comic. Okay. And it is such a flaming chunk of batshit insanity. <laughs> this is probably one of the weirder, more violent. It's just, I, I can't imagine who greenlit this whole project. They're like, well, we've got Doom, very simple formula. A lone Marine fights demons from hell. So let's just make it real fucking weird and hard to follow. Right. And so it opens up, and they just want to get right to it. Dude's already taken a Berserker pack, which if you remember right, you can kill you all the monsters going. with your bare hands, yeah. you know, and you tear them apart and stuff. And he busts in, grabs this, what is ostensibly an imp? I don't know. They don't really hold to the look of the monsters. Pulls out its spinal column, and his first line of dialogue is, here it is, word for word, I'm cooking with gas. I got a handful of vertebrae and a head full of mad. <laughs> Who's like the man? Nukem. I'm the man. How bad? Real bad. I'm a 12 on the 10-point scale of badness. <laughs> okay, I'll, let me tell you what I got wow. from that first line. I'm cooking with guys. <laughs> you sound like uh, Steve Brule. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I'm only going to be able to see Brule's face on this guy for the rest of the comic. <laughs> but he goes around just smashing things apart with his bare hands until he runs into the cyber demon. Ooh, oh, no. And he looks at him, and this is probably the most iconic bit in the comic. He says, you're huge. That means you have huge guts. I'm going to rip and tear your guts, your huge guts. And he's just going on about this. And he punches him square in the stomach, but then his berserker pack runs out. So he scrambles off to find a gun. From there, he enters a dark room. He can't see anything, so he finds a shotgun. And he says, I swear, some of these lines are so goddamn stupid. I don't know whose idea they were. But he says, what was it? Was it um, Might makes light and starts firing the shotgun to see where he's going in this dark room. <laughs> and he's blowing zombies apart. And then he gets in a, in a fight with a pinky and a vat full of acid. And then he's like, oh, I'm radioactive now. That can't be good. And then he, like, looks right at the reader. <laughs> it's like, who decided that was such an ace line that they had? To, oh, my God, it's oh. so weird. He finds a chain gun. Uh, lodged in the gut of this zombie. He blows apart some demons with it. Then he looks at this thing and starts crying. Like, there are tears coming from his eyes. He's like, I don't think I've got a deeper respect for anything in the world except this here beautiful chain gun. It's just <laughs> every panel or so, the action stops for him to deliver some weird goddamn diatribe. Like, he falls in a vat of nuclear waste, and he goes on this thing. He's like... 
Why can't we find a way to safely dispose of radioactive waste and protect the environment? Even if I personally stop this alien invasion, what kind of planet will we be leaving to our children? And our children's children? Oh, the humanity. Oh, throw my. that PSA in there real quick. No. <laughs> Whose idea was this? And then eventually finds the BFG and uh, kills the cyber demon with it. BFG, by the way, I guess, I don't know, it's like the artist skipped town or something, so they had someone else pencil it in. It just shoots a bunch of piddly-looking bullets instead of the big green fireball. Everybody loves, and it just abruptly ends. Like you did it, you killed the cyber demon. Now you've wasted your time reading this comic. It's so weird. Oh, but it's fun though. Like it's just, I can't even. It says that I can't you do it. Just, time reading the no, comic. Oh, no, okay. that's my personal take <laughs> on the situation. Wow, they really didn't care. But it's it's. Thanks for your money. I know. Right? <laughs> it's the weirdest. It's the weirdest thing I've ever read, and it's just a blast and a half. It's. I hate that when you say BFG, all I can think about is that new big Disney friendly big giant. giant. Yeah, right. Well, and now every giant. time I see the poster, my brain goes big fucking gun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. I just think big fucking giant because who's fucking big? You know what I mean? No matter what the f you think, it's There's, something it's not, different. Yeah. It no, in no one's brain is that like, oh, friendly. He's a friendly <laughs> giant. <laughs> f is for friendly. Come on, what fantasy world do you occupy? <laughs> oh Lord, but dude, comic everybody, check it oh, out. You can shit. find the whole thing for free because please god don't pay for this no one should ever have paid for this <laughs> we're awesome paying to find for that it as a society oh yeah oh, and i'm sure we will yeah just be patient look yeah. it, hang it up frame it i'd get it sutured onto my chest <laughs> you find the best most obscure shit in dump bins man mm-hmm. i just i love them it'll be the only dump bin that's like slightly on fire covered in radioactive waste <laughs> very nice jake boom the comic oh yeah all right, Chris or Eric, uh, would one of you guys like to go next? Yeah, go ahead, Chris. Uh, well, I was going to say um, I've been rereading um, some uh, the Preacher books um, mm. since the show started. It's just it's always been one of my favorite books, and uh, I don't even know really what to say about it. I mean, to compare it to the show, you know, it doesn't <laughs> the show just doesn't do the book justice, in my opinion. That's the first um, thing I was going to ask. Hearing, you is, yeah. yeah, how does it hold up? But it, you never. And I don't know. I'm like. I mean, it, the show isn't bad. It's just not the book, and the book is so good, in my opinion, um, that it's like, well, you know, you just kind of like. I feel like I'm in like a holding pattern, like waiting for something to happen, while they're they're building these characters on the show. But right. in the book, it just jumps in, and it just doesn't stop. You know what I mean? And that's one of the things that I liked about it so much is it's just kind of like full throttle right from the start, and it's just you know, obviously, it's over the top with the violence and um and all that stuff and um i don't really know even what to say about it i mean it's just it's just one of my favorites um it's it's one of those that to me like is maybe been topped by only a, a couple other books um in my opinion i think it i think it borrows a little bit from from tarantino it has a kind of a tarantino vibe to it i can see that. Um, totally just a little that. bit yeah. i've seen of it i can yeah totally get that but um, anyway, so yeah, that's I've been reading that and a little bit of um, some old uh, Grant Morrison JLA stuff. Uh, they've been you know talking about the movie and stuff like that, and uh, that was always kind of one of my favorite runs. Um, right. I had kind of taken a break from comics uh, for a while, and I remember going to the store the day the first issue came out, and you know of course I didn't know, and I saw it, and I was like, oh that looks really cool, and I picked it up and was just kind of hooked on it. One of the stories in there um, is, uh, I can't remember exactly what it's called, but it's it's with uh, 
uh, this guy, I think it's, it's named like the key or, or something like that. And he basically like gets into all their brains and kind of pushes them into like this alternate reality and um, basically defeats the entire JLA except for the sun at this time. You know, this time you're dealing with like electric Superman and, and all these weird like anomalies and like, um, you know, Aquaman with the, the spear hand and, and all that stuff. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. That's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's the son of Green Arrow, which I think his name's Connor or something like that. And uh, he's the only one. He's supposed to come up to like the Moon Tower to like try out for the JLA, and they're all you know, you know, incapacitated or whatever. And the only thing he can find are his dad's like old, like boxing glove arrow and handcuff arrows, and, and like, <laughs> basically like takes the dude out with a boxing glove arrow. It's hysterical, and it's just like. It's so well written and like fun and you know it doesn't take itself too seriously but at the same time like there are a lot of things at stake and uh, it was just a great a great run I think by Morrison it's kind of uh, overlooked a little bit by some of his other stuff but the show will probably come around I mean with any show that is new you know in their first season you know like you said getting the character development down but you know, especially right. nowadays with the internet and everything, uh, I think producers are very in tune with what uh, the crowd response is, and then you know adjust at least the they, show. They have no excuse not to be right, you know? and you know we'll sometimes adjust the show slightly. True, sure. uh, I, I just keep thinking of Shield. Not that that ever turned into a great show by any stretch <laughs> of the imagination, but um, the first season, my God, yeah. it was like waiting nails man it was yeah. hard to get yeah. through i never made it past the first season <sighs> i never watched it i was like mm, got stuff to do still not a good show okay well, but i, I find it like very entertaining it's had ups and downs on it yeah yeah it's, it's my guilty pleasure it's my yeah, young yeah. and the restless if you will <laughs> so. i watch shield oh my god <laughs> you watch it you just don't tell people you yeah. watch it pour a glass of white wine at noon and you watch shield <laughs> all right very cool very cool all right who would like to go next I'll go next next for mine. Right. Anybody read East of West? I have seen a pivotal moment of East to West that oh, someone really? sent me. Some insensitive asshole It's just like, look at this cool scene. I'm like, oh, this one that sets up everything that's important about the story and blows the lid right off. <laughs> you know how far in it was? Uh, and you, I just saw it in your book there. I think it's like the opening pages. So maybe it oh, wasn't okay. as huge a deal as I thought. But I remember looking at it and I'm like, oh, well, Christ, I guess I'll read something else now. <laughs> <laughs> well, just so you guys, because... I'm sure you'll want to read it. I'm not going to go too much into it. Just give a quick synopsis of what it is. Uh, Apocalypse is going to come. It's coming, pretty much. The four horsemen show up to end the world. But only three of them really show up. And they're looking for the other one. Mm. I'm not going to go much more into it. but It's okay. I'm I'm the fourth. Yeah. (laughs) This is how I wanted you to find out. I just wanted to keep a low key for a one. Well, the fourth one is actually around, but he's looking for someone else. It's, It's... it's cool. It keeps you guessing the whole time. Like each, like I got the trade and I made it through about halfway through and each issue and it, it gives you a little more story. So it kind of keeps you going, asking questions. I'm excited to read it. I think that's probably why you're being sparing with detail. And I do appreciate uh, yeah, that. Yeah, I don't want to. <laughs> no, I saw it the art style looks like really clean. Like it's something about it. Yeah. The only word I can think of is like smooth. Everything is like nice and defined, you know. There's artwork you want to rub against your cheek. Exactly, you know? <laughs> yeah. You're just, it's just like soft, it's just, you know. And then the, the colors are vibrant. I, it looked really cool. And it's got that like AMC TV shows feel to it, where you feel like something's building up and it's real intense. 
but then nothing really happens. But it keeps, <laughs> I mean, stuff happens. It's hard to explain if you know what I mean. Oh, they just like get where you're coming. They from. give it to you like morphine in a small drip. Uh, yeah. You know, it's like you don't get it all at once. Game of Thrones at the end of every season, everyone's like. The next season's going to be crazy, you guys. They set it up for all this shit. And then the next season hits, and you're like, guys, the next season's going to be out of this world. Yeah. Like, it's just this endless loop of excitement and then reset. Yeah. <laughs> but that's it. East to West. Cool. Very cool. Can't wait to read it. Eric, would you like to go next? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I, uh, I, I read a lot of indie comics because I make indie comics. Um, <laughs> and uh, so... Uh, I actually picked a book that's, that's one of my favorites, and he's also a friend of mine. Um, and the, the comic series is titled Miserable Americans. <laughs> and um, it's by uh, Evan Darian. Um, and uh, this is a book that he's, he's the writer and the artist. He's like one-man show behind it. And uh, the pitch is um, the, it's, it's about the clones of uh, Abraham Lincoln and John F. Kennedy being brought back today. Uh, retaining all of their memories uh, up to the point of their assassinations and they escape this facility that's created them and experimented upon them to go on this like Thelma and Louise chasing crime spree. <laughs> <laughs> it's um and it, it starts off it, it throws you like right into this action scene right away where it has them uh, racing down the expressway in a convertible which I think is hilarious because JFK is driving a convertible. Um, <laughs> he never learns. And they're being chased by black FBI cars and black helicopters. Um, and Abe is wearing a, a knit hat with a shirtless, uh, with a sleeveless shirt. And he has, uh, in like uh, old English letters, he has emancipator tattoo down his right arm. <laughs> and uh, pulls out a gun. He's shooting at the guns and... That's not stopping him, so he pulls out a bazooka and shoots a helicopter out of the sky, and it's just nuts. Um, and this is like the first like four pages. So, <laughs> and, uh, wow. The whole scene's being narrated by uh, JFK, and he's talking about how, how Abraham Lincoln is such a great man and how he's always looked up to him. Um, and this action sequence you know, cuts to an end, and we, we kind of go back to uh, the beginning of the story, like 10 days earlier. And um, you know, we learn about their, uh, they were created in this facility, that's uh, the facility's actually like uh, trying to, I guess, uh, continue this idea that they actually are in um, the mid 1800s or the the 1960s. That they're trying to not let them know that they're actually like set in because it, it takes place in the modern day 2010s. Um, and uh, but the the illusion um, is broken and they escape and uh, they're trying to just really save their lives and. What I think is really interesting about it is that it's a really funny book because of the absurdity of it. But at the same time, I feel like it's very honest that if you took these guys out of history and dropped them into today, they would react exactly the way they're reacting. In this book. <laughs> um, the way Lincoln speaks, like everybody has a hard time understanding him because English is just so different than it used to be uh, than it is today. Right. And uh, JFK, of course, knows who Lincoln is historically, but Lincoln has no idea who JFK is. Um, oh. There's a scene in a car where they, they get Lincoln into the back of a car, and he doesn't even know what a car is. He's like, you just want me to get into this thing? And they take off, and he's never experienced moving that fast before, and he throws up in the back seat. And <laughs> it's, uh, it's really just a great comic series, front to back. He has, um, he has three issues of it out now. And uh, again, he, he's a friend of mine, so I'm, I, I keep tabs on him. And I know the fourth issue is coming out in like just weeks. Love um, to get this fellow on the show. That sounds fantastic. Yeah, that sounds Very awesome. Very down with that. Did Lincoln yeah, perhaps get into a Lincoln? 
when he was picked up? <laughs> no, I don't know. <laughs> if <laughs> um, but yeah, I just for anybody looking for it, um, you could definitely Google "miserable Americans," or you could go to uh, Evan's website, which is uh, evandarian.com and e v a n d e r i a n dot com. I feel like we've seen this book before. He might have been at a con we've been at or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, very cool. That sounds awesome. I can't wait to look into that. All right, well, uh, what I have this week is nothing, nothing big. It's just a, it's a number one Batgirl, and this is Carrie Kelly as Batgirl, and it came in the uh, middle of book four of the Dark Knight Three Master Race, and I'm, I don't know, I've been buying these Master Race books, but I'm not really enthralled like I was with the Dark Knight. Obviously, I don't think uh, anyone really expected to be, but. This uh, was a nice little treat to find in the center, and it just starts with Carrie Kelly in her Batgirl outfit, which is uh, like uh, pink cow cape, boots, gloves, and then like neon lime green, uh, where Batman would typically have gray. So very subtle, uh, right? She's not uh, really working on stealth here with, with her outfit. <laughs> But it just shows her running and beating up guys as she's running. And the whole time she's saying, boss told me to get to the dock. He said, when I got there, I have no what to do. Uh, you know, the boss sees the world a certain way that I can't under... You know, just thinking to herself about uh, her relationship with Batman and uh, the advice he's given her into becoming Batgirl from becoming, you know, Robin. And uh, again, not much detail to this book. And when she gets to the here where he told her to go there's he says you'll know what to look for when you get there you know you'll know what to do she gets to the pier these guys surround her she starts beating the ever-living crap out of them next thing you know the water starts bubbling and on a huge like uh, geyser of water out comes aquaman and he says come with me and she just jumps he cradles her in his arms says hold your breath and they underwater and that's the last you see so i'm huh. beyond huh. curious to see what <laughs> She could possibly offer to Aquaman, you know? <laughs> but uh, yeah, very typical, uh, you know, artwork. Same kind of artwork you'd see in uh, Frank Miller's Dark Knight. And uh, yeah, so far I'm intrigued. Not much details, and I'm already intrigued. So I'm gonna see if there's a number two somewhere. I can't imagine there isn't. So yeah, that's in the center of Dark Knight Three: The Master Race, Book Four. That's Batgirl number one. It's pretty wild. Yeah, neat. They throw a comic in the middle of that. I like that. They've been doing it with each issue. It's just none of the past ones spoke to me. I, mm. I think one was Aquaman. I was like, I don't give a shit. I don't want to read this. You know, but <laughs> Batgirl. Come on. There you go. I'll read that. All right. Well, with that, let's just turn <clears throat> our attention over to Jack and uh, move into this week's real world heroes. Jack, who do we have this week? Robert <laughs> Borba from Eagle Point, Oregon. And what has Robert Borba done to deserve a spot on our wall of justice? Wait for this one. This is a pretty good one. I'm waiting. It happened uh, a couple weeks ago, I believe. Uh, Robert is a champion bull rider. He was at the local Walmart one day getting some dog food. On his way out from the store, heading back to his truck, he heard some woman yelling, Stop him, he stole my bike. And instead of watching the thief ride off, he ran over to his truck... <clears throat> which had a horse trailer on the back, pulled the horse out, jumped on it, grabbed his lasso, started chasing no after way. the dude. Yep. Lassoed <laughs> the kid around the foot and yanked him off and held him until the cops got there. Good Lord. Wow. <laughs> that's some Lone Ranger shit right there. And that's what they're calling him, the Lone Ranger of Oregon right now. Is it really? Yep. Well, I think we've all been in that situation. I mean, <laughs> yeah. just one of those things. Yeah. Right. He was quoted saying, stealing ain't right, so I figured I'd stop him, you know. 
<laughs> well put. A man of few words. <laughs> well, I was cracking up when I found it, and the video was even better. I'll see if I could post there's that on the website. There's a video yeah, of it? Yeah, there's, well, not of him stopping him, just the, like, the interview from oh, his report at the I end. I was going to say, talk about a 2016 video right there. That's there's gonna... a picture of him on the back of the horse with the lasso wrapped around the kid's leg, though. <laughs> this i got to see. Yeah. This i got to see. <laughs> It was awesome. So is this like an old like uh, like ranch owner kind of guy? Or yep. Yeah, after that he got in his, his truck and he runs a, a ranch. Rode off so. into the sunset. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. What was his name again? Robert Borba. Robert Borba. And for that, you have found a spot on a wall of justice. In the Hall of Heroes. You know, when you said he was uh, at Walmart getting dog food, all I could think of was Cousin Eddie putting those bags of Old Roy on Clark's yeah. cart. <laughs> all right. Good times. Yeah. God, I got to see that picture. All right. Well, with all that behind us, let's just turn our full attention over to Eric Adams and Chris Carlton and talk about the Kickstarter running until July 1st, which by the time anyone's hearing this, the Kickstarter will be over. But it looks like you guys are going to make your goal. Yeah. So uh, congratulations to you uh, ahead of time. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> so, so tell us about the graphic novel for uh, Black of Heart. Uh, well, Black of Heart is, uh, is basically the, the story of Detective Drake Harper. Um, it's set in 1949 New York City. And um, basically um, his uh, personal life is kind of falling apart as he's uh, in his first year as a homicide detective. And this killer has popped up. Um, pretty much um, dumping women in alleys um, with an eye missing and um, he's having a he's having a difficult time trying to uh, trying to find this guy uh, because the crimes are so random um, and when you're dealing with uh, a situation like that in 1949 when there is no forensics or, or CSI or anything like that uh, becomes very difficult um, some of the stuff that I that I pulled from specifically was um, the uh, son of Sam, David Berkowitz, in in the mid '70s, right. um, where e- even in the '70s, um, his crimes were so random that the cops couldn't couldn't figure it out, and um, he really he was caught just kind of by a fluke, and and so that's that's sort of the, the basis of, of the story. Um, David Hollenbach is the uh, the uh, artist on. He does uh, sort of a mixed media style, which is, is kind of different. Um, a lot of people compared it to sort of a Dave McKean style. Uh, we've got like Arkham Asylum and the, the Sandman covers and things like that, um, which really gives it sort of like a surrealistic uh, cinematic feel, uh, something that's it's pretty different from probably, hopefully, most of the stuff that you've seen. So. It's definitely yeah, different, yeah. For sure. I mean, I've seen people use like photographs and stuff, mm-hmm. but uh, this is just done very, very well. It's easy to stick with, and it's just a gorgeous book altogether. I love the concept one of the the uh, the girls, how they're murdered, mm-hmm. an eyelid re- eyelid removed on one side, and the eye just gone on the other. I have that image stuck in my head. For yeah, the first time. <laughs> even flipping through the pages when I was looking at it. Yeah, it's really horrifying to look at, to be quite honest. And with that style, like it's very striking, and it's like grotesque mm-hmm. in the correct way. Mm-hmm. It's, it's something about it being grounded in the use of photographs make it that much more terrifying right you know there's that little yeah. bit of you almost can't tell the difference like how edited is this photo you know it's right <laughs> that's a lot of what i was looking at when i was reading it too <laughs> yeah. well thank you i appreciate that and it is you know one of those situations where um his style brings um kind of what i was hoping for which is a creepy edge to the story you know what i mean um and it's something where i guess with most books right you hope that the artist pulls people in 
and that the story and the writing keeps them there uh, from issue to issue. And right. um, hopefully we've done that, you know. Well, the the um, but, style uh, definitely complements the tone of the story perfectly. Absolutely. Well, thank, thank you. Thank you. I, I worked with David um, on covers for another series I was doing called Binary Gray, um, which is sort of a, an offbeat uh, superhero story about a guy who has sort of like technopath type of, of powers. Um, and, uh, I knew, I knew right away, like he was just a, a really special talent. And, um, we did a, a short, uh, five page story, um, in a book called sleepless. Um, and after that, um, seeing his sequential stuff, um, just kind of, you know, blew me away. It's one of those situations where every panel is sort of its own little piece of artwork, um, really and, and really something special. Um, and so I, you know, I, I kind of pitched him the idea for Black Heart. Um, he was on board. I, I knew at that time, you know, it was probably the largest um, uh, book, you know, that he had done in terms of, of issues and things like that. And I wasn't sure how responsive he would be, you know, so um, but he was on board and, um, you know, we just kind of took it and ran with it. So it's a beautiful style because, I mean, you know, doing it in black and white, one, really accentuates the story, just the noir feeling, I think. But then, you know, in each right. frame, there's a touch of color, just a touch of uh, where, you you know, I think you're he's trying to direct your attention, maybe. It just it yeah. also kind of reminds me of like a Schindler's List, the little girl in the red the dress. Red, yep, yep. Remember that? That was a gorgeous yeah, scene. I mean, focal point, you know. Yeah. That scene itself was horrific, my <laughs> But just that brilliant red, like shining through, you know, yeah. when you you've been staring at uh, black and white. And I tell you what, the thing I like most about this is is my favorite part of just about any comic or, or movie or game I play is always the villain. Because mm, I think yeah. the the hero to me tends to be the the less interesting figure. The hero's you know, typically more black and white than the villain. Right. Is. The I, villain I think has it's more because, layers you can yeah, peel away. Yeah. The, yeah. Their motivation is is often so steeped in like the human morality. You mm -hmm. know, they're doing this because it's right, because they have to, because A happened in their past and it led them to B or something like that. Not that I'm suggesting this protagonist is one dimensional. I'm just making a point here. But uh, <laughs> the, the thing I love about villains is that to understand where they're coming from, you have to take yourself out of your comfortable headspace. Mm -hmm. You know, you've got to try and look at things from this weird, twisted lens. And I, I want to know more about this killer and these ritualistic things he does. And he had that, that bizarre cowl oh covered God, in eyes. Yes, yeah. yes. That was so awesome. And, I, and I, I, I want to know what's in his head. I want to know what he thinks he's seeing. You know, is there some transcendence where he's trying to elevate himself to some such ideal? And I've, I haven't finished... I've, I've, finished the first issue i'm starting in on the second and all the subsequent stuff and, and i absolutely want to know more about this serial killer because I'm, I'm already hooked I, I need to get in his head you know yeah. it just seems so interesting the reason why one eye comes out right uh, exactly wins, yeah. it's, it's so specific this isn't something that happens by accident like yeah. he didn't trip and drop her down the stairs like that one popped yeah. out you know <laughs> <laughs> i'm doing this like oh that might be cool you know <laughs> i guess i'll run with it yeah. <laughs> i know i flipped back a couple of times i'll see that cowl oh it's perfect just yeah. staring down yeah. <laughs> oh jeez amazing Mm, yeah, well, I can tell you that all of the answers are, are in the book. Perfect. Um, and um, and like you said, there there is sort of a a, a history and a reason for everything. Um, and um, uh, specifically, the color uh, I wanted to mention um, that it, it starts in black and white with kind of splashes of color, like you said. The color actually increases um, kind of exponentially throughout the series. So. Um, it's almost like um, its own sort of character in the story in that sense where mm -hmm. it's either consciously or subconsciously, if you take notice of it or not, 
uh, is sort of ramping up with the story uh, and building. And so issue two, you know, you start to see some oranges and some purples and things like that. Um, and it's building to basically the finale of the, the last issue, or just five issues, the whole series, um, to this big, you know, full color ending. Um, and it's just it's just one of those things that, you know, I personally had never seen done in, in comics. Um, and I, I wanted to, to try it and give it a shot. Um, I, I think that it kind of adds like a layer of tension. Like I said, whether you notice it or not, you pick up on it, it you know, yeah, might not pick on it, pick up on it right away. But when you do, it's like, oh, shit. Um, <laughs> Even better that you don't notice it, I think. Right. Because right. it gets in your head. It becomes one of those things you can't pinpoint that makes you feel uneasy, you know. Right. Right. Yeah, it's definitely one of the goals of this is to as much as you can with a comic book to, to make you feel uneasy. I mean, obviously you can't. Um, you know, you can't use a jump scare or something like that, right? So, <laughs> can't but, have a big um, page, boom. You know? um, in addition to um, the five issues um, in the, the hardback uh, collected edition, we're also doing a seven-page um, epilogue, which is not included in the original series, um, which is also all full color. Um, and it, you know, kind of ties the story up um, and also sort of leads um, to, you know, what may be coming next, which is cool, too. Um, we have tons of uh, pinups from some of the, the best artists working in comics today. I mean, really, really great stuff. If you haven't gone to the, uh, the Kickstarter page to check them out, I definitely recommend that you do. Um, and then we have some you know, never-before-seen stuff uh, from the series, uh, artwork by David that's going to be in the book as well. Um, and it's just stuff that I've, you know, especially the epilogue, like I've really wanted to talk about it with people and, and get their opinion on it. And, um, you know, I just really haven't had the chance yet so i'm excited for the book to come out just so i can you know talk more about it but so once uh, your kickstarter is fully funded how soon then will it be until it's in uh, the reader's hands and would they be able to pick it up in any brick and mortar locations i'm assuming it's going to be for sale on a salient comics.com and narrier.com yeah we um uh i mean we're estimating september to ship it out um cool. I mean, it could even be, I'm not going to say it is going to be sooner, but there's the slim chance of that. Uh, because really the, the book at this point is uh, assembled. There, there's still some of like the, the extra material we, we have to just kind of design the pages for. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, this is a five issue series that um, is complete and we're essentially collecting it in this hardcover edition. It's um, We are remastering it a bit, just little color tweaks, little lettering tweaks, stuff like that. Um, as Chris mentioned, the epilogue. We have a, a forward from uh, Mark Kidwell, who does uh, 68 at uh, Image Comics. He wrote the forward for the book. Um, and we have like a, a pinup gallery and, uh, and just lots of extras, as Chris has mentioned. But um, really, it's like we get the Kickstarter money. We kind of tighten up the, the, the few design elements that are left, which are very few. And uh, we send it off for printing. And, it, you know, this should be something you get, you know, not the day after, but very quickly. That's very nice. awesome. Yeah. That's one thing great about supporting a Kickstarter is when you get your stuff really quick. It's always it always sucks when you throw some money at something and then you get something in the mail like what the hell's this? You know? uh, yeah, I've done that a couple times. I'm like, what is it? Oh, shoot, oh right. right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now before we totally move on, I want to uh, Eric say or just ask you more. You know, we first met you at I believe the SpaceCon. We've seen you before. I think we saw you last year at uh, the TriCon Ohio, but. Uh, most recently at SpaceCon in this past April. And I've you, seen him in Cincinnati, too. Did we? Yeah. <laughs> I, we run into you everywhere, yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> this is a good well, thing. Well, I'm in Cincinnati. But uh, you uh, mentioned you won an award at the SpaceCon. Oh, yeah, I did win this year. Um, well, technically, I was I tied in second, but I suppose that's winning. 
That's winning. <laughs> yeah. No, I um, I put out, uh, I wrote wrote and published three um, one-shot books last year. We were calling Single Servings, which is kind of a, feels like it's almost kind of a series we're publishing at this point. Um, but uh, one of those three in particular was titled uh, Goodbye Weather, um, and I uh, tied in second to receive the uh, Space Prize for that. That's um, awesome. And Goodbye Weather is just, it's a, uh, it's a, science fiction story um it's more i would call it cyberpunk um and it's um i, I kind of call it my call it my warren ellis book too because i feel like it's it's very the kind of thing warren ellis would write um but it's uh, it's about this aging pair of, of hackers who are uh on a job to like uh i guess hack into this satellite that's orbiting the moon which projects uh advertisements on its surface every night um and uh, they're doing all this while mourning the loss of uh their good friend um, which happens to be the, the the male main character's wife and the female main character's best friend. And um, together, those two have some weird sexual tension going on, too. But um, I, I got a lot of attention for it. And I think um, part of it is because I, I uh, crowdsourced a lot of the logos I had to put into the book. Um, I got somewhere between like 50 and 100 logos of other uh, comics friends who I got to insert into the book somewhere and actually be part of the artwork so oh, wow. that might have been a contributing cool. factor as to why it, it's popular it became popular <laughs> in space <laughs> that's awesome that's awesome yeah, I'd like cool. to read that well Absolutely. congratulations to you man I'm sorry we missed that uh, bit of information there but oh, no uh, this has been one hell of a good time having you guys on here I want to remind all of our listeners to go to a salientcomics.com narrier.com and of course, well, I guess the Kickstarter is going to be over by the time anyone's hearing this. But um, Well, I did want to mention, actually, that yeah. um, you know, if the Kickstarter is over, go to narrator.com. We're going to have pre-orders set up the day after for anybody that missed out on the Kickstarter. Oh, so, wow. there, hey, well, there you go. go. Yeah. Get your copy. And are you guys on uh, social media as well? Oh, yeah. Um, Facebook, Twitter. My, my personal Twitter is Eric Adams, E-R-I-C-A-D-A-M-S. Uh, and I'm on... Uh, I'm on Instagram now as of like a week ago. So hey, hey. Uh, I'm at uh, narrier.com, but you got to spell it at spell that out. Narrier, D-O-T-C-O-M. Okay. Very cool. And that was uh, Eric. What about you, Chris? Uh, yeah, same thing. Um, Twitter and Facebook, um, Instagram. All my stuff is under Assailant Comics. Assailant um, Comics. Yep. And, uh, well, you can look up Chris Charlton, too, and you probably find something. Okay. Well, cool. <laughs> it might be me. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, we'll uh, look you up. We'll definitely get this information pushed out to the uh, listeners and uh, get you as much traffic as we can. Yeah, thanks so much, guys. No, Thank th- you, guys. really appreciate it. Thank you. Jack, what do we got on the website? Well, if you go to com, you can see show highlights, guest info, listen to the show, follow us on our, all our social media Visit the Hall of Heroes and see the Wall of Justice. Check out our PSAs on our video page. And if you want to be a guest and promote your work, send us an email on our contacts page. And hopefully also play Check's Quest. Yeah, how about oh, yes. get on that? Yeah, once <laughs> I Make get home that tonight. Shit yeah. happen, man. <laughs> don't forget to find us on Twitter at CandairPod and on Instagram at Canned underscore Air. Uh, check out the YouTube page. We got our PSAs up there. Uh, again, we're working on something to put up there, some, some movies, if you will. 
That's all I'm going to say. Like us on Facebook, too. Yeah, like us on Facebook. And check out some of the other great shows right here on conradio.com. Lots of good ones in there. If you're a fan of going to the conventions, then you're going to love all these shows. And speaking of conventions, at the end of uh, July, yep. uh, Wizard World Columbus, we're going to be at the show in one capacity or another. Roaming around somehow. Yeah. Get yeah. excited, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> we're there to complete your con experience. <laughs> Might bump into your favorite canned airsman. <laughs> right. Yeah, uh, autographs will uh, we'll save for later, right? Right. I mean, we don't got time for that. While there will be a charge. Get a yeah, stiff yeah. elbow and a swear at you. <laughs> Shit, wouldn't that be the day? <laughs> Ouch. But yeah, if uh, you're at the convention, uh, send us a message. Uh, we'd love to uh, meet up, talk if you like the show. Or if you hate us and want to say, quit doing what you're doing, go lay in traffic. We want to hear that, too. <laughs> That's, hate mail is a metric of success. It yeah. is. It is. I, it's a form of flattery, Absolutely. I think. The highest form. And we're going to probably be at the Cincinnati Comic Expo, where I believe uh, at least Eric's going to be, correct? Yeah, Chris should be there, too. He'll be, we'll awesome. be tabling together. Fantastic. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. A two for one at the we'll Cincinnati Expo. Get the band back together. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, until next week, I am Jeremy Colley. Jack Doherty. Jake Runyon. And Chris Charlton. And Eric Adams. Thanks for listening, everyone. It's one thing to break a window, but it's another to blame Simple Billy. You should be inside listening to the Candare podcast. What about the window? I guess you shouldn't have broke it. Now we know. And knowing is half the battle. G.I. Joe! Did you, did you guys catch my cat screaming there about... Oh, yeah. That the was a cat? I thought that was a child. I thought you were beating your children. <laughs> You've got questions, we've got answers. Business leadership, ownership, and sales can be challenging. Tune into the Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast to learn from the world's experts. Join me, your host, Diane Helbig, as I chat with people who have expertise in various areas of business. You'll enjoy the lively conversations that are focused on providing you with the ideas, tips, and suggestions you need to realize greater success. Get what you need for your business when you need it from the people who have the answers. Accelerate Your Business Growth is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network and is available on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast.